This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. All right, I just want to share briefly on principles we can glean from the scriptures on uh, the subject of Christmas. That's the birth of Jesus. Some people will argue and say that uh, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. All right, as a Christmas, Christmas, so it's a pagan summer. All right, no problem. The issue is that you agree that Jesus was born. Okay. So whatever day you find out that Jesus was born, uh, thank you very much. Okay? So we'll be at peace. All right? If you believe it's October 15th or October 15th, wear red, wear green. All right? Post on social media, this is the day my Lord and Savior was born. The Bible says, so long as you do it unto the Lord, it is what? Acceptable. Okay? All right. Now, Luke chapter 2 from verse 1. Please put it in the NIV translation. NIV translation, Luke 2, 1 to verse 7. All right. Now, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town, that's local government there or town there, to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged, all right, last scripture, belong to the line of David. Now verse 5, it tells us, and he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now the first lesson I want us to grasp is this. Joseph, all right, went down to Bethlehem, and the reason why he went down to Bethlehem was because he was from that particular area. And it was the king or the ruling authority, Augustus Caesar, right, that actually woke up one day and said there must be a census. Everybody should go there. Now, it coincided with the time of the birth of Jesus and the scriptures had said clearly that Jesus will and must be born in Bethlehem there. Now, Joseph wasn't aware of the scriptures. He didn't know that it was, all right, within the scriptures that uh, Jesus should be born in Bethlehem. Uh, we see it with Herod when uh, the wise men came to meet uh, the um, herald thinking that Jesus will be born in a king's palace. And when uh, Herod heard what they said, 
he called all the scribes unto himself. Put it up in Matthew 2 there. Scribes unto himself, and he inquired of them the time in which, or the place in which, all right, Jesus was supposed to be born. And what happened was, they discovered that it was in Bethlehem of Judah there that Jesus was to be born. So it was written in the scriptures that Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem of Judah. But, all right, they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet. But Joseph didn't know about that. And God knew that Joseph had no knowledge of that. Yet Joseph, in so divine positioning, God went to an authority figure and moved him to declare a census at that particular point in time. So that Joseph, just in obedience to constituted authority, decided that I am, let's go at this particular point, all right, and it was Bethlehem there that he was from, and so he decided he was going to do it at that particular place. Now, what I'm saying here is this, and in your career, business, whatever you do, you must understand the role of constituted authority. In other words, God will move constituted authority to position you for the fulfillment of prophecies you may not be aware of. And therefore, you have, and I'll show you, you have to be very careful. And when constituted authority says, go and do something, it will never be convenient. Listen, it wasn't convenient for Mary to move out. It was at the point where Jesus was going to be born. Because they got to the inn, there was no room in the inn. They went into the manger there, and then she gave birth. So this was probably, let's even give it max, a one-week period. So you can have seen the condition under which Mary was. When they embarked on that journey, it wasn't convenient. So never use your personal convenience. In other words, if an authority figure tells you, let's say you're working in a field that they said, we want you, all right, to go into this particular field, and, and you, you look at it and say, no, but this is where I have my expertise, this is what, you know, I really believe that I should, you know, do in my life at this particular point. This has always been my vision, right? God knows more than you. And you don't know every prophetic word concerning your own life. You do not. You might not even have any idea about the next prophecy of scripture. I'll show this here. That is to be fulfilled in your own life. And God can override that by going to a constant authority and them asking you, right, to go into a field or to go into something. I mean, I was listening to somebody who is probably the biggest person, maybe two or three, one of the biggest person, all right, in the music industry in the world, globally. I mean, he sits on top of a massive corporation in New York there. And he was a lawyer, a trained lawyer. And he said, look, how did I get into being? He said, my boss, they just called me one day, and I, I was in the legal department, and I had my goals there. And he said, I should move to go and in a place about the department. This is a lawyer, record sales. And I said, ah, I didn't know anything about this. He said, I, I was going to meet him in the morning to tell him. He said, and what so happened was the person who they had put in another section there said he had to do it. So they said, all right, we won't put it there again. And then they put him in another, which had to do with, you know, contracts and all of that writing contract, interacting, he said, and that's when I discovered, all right, what I was supposed to do, went into. So he was, he was moved there by a constant authority where what he was thinking about 
was just his own legal profession. You know, I'm going to be this and all of that. And God uses. So be very, very prayerful. Once you consider authority moves over your life, asking you to do something that doesn't, all right, seem convenient for you. Or even normally they say they post you on youth service. You know when people like to change their posting? Some people, God has prepared the person they will marry at the post center. I'm telling you. And he will move you to that particular place there and you will look at it, all right, and say, why am I going into all of this? And God has his reasons. There may be relationships he wants to establish. There may be connections that he wants to make. So be very, we'll see more of this, very watchful, all right, about uh, constant authority and how God deals with that in his sovereignty is the first lesson. And he won't take into cognizance, I want you to understand this, your own personal convenience. You, you won't take into cognizance there. Uh, because in the Greek, there are two words for the word time. Which means if you go and meet somebody and in scripture it's written time. In some places it's written as seasons. So you may know that, okay, they're talking about something happening. Alright? But if they go and meet a person in Greek and say, what's the time? You will either use two words. You could say, what's the chronos or what's the kairos? Now you're asking for two different things. In other words, if you say, what's the chronos? Is where we got chronometer from, which eventually became clock wristwatch. You can say 16 minutes past seven. That's what you say. But if you go to meet the person and say, what's the kairos? All right? So that you can say it in business or you can say it in me. So what's the kairos now? Which means that what season are we? What's the new, what are the ideas? What are the things that, you know, should be done at this particular point in time? The sons of Issachar understood the kairos, which means they knew the time. So they knew what Israel ought to do. So you can ask a person, what's the kairos? Now, the definition of the kairos means, all right, it says, what time necessitates? That must be done at that particular point in time. Which if it is not done, that's what Jesus was saying, that you have missed your time of visitation, that's your kairos. Now the enemy will build a trench around about you. So it must be done. But in the Greek, it ends by saying, the convenience of that person or that task is not taken into account when the kairos comes. In other words, in a kairos moment, it's not convenient for anybody that wants to do it. A kairos moment can come into your life where there's an opportunity where it's just that at that particular point in time, you are just settling down. You understand what I'm saying here? It's a kairos moment. All right? I mean, um, 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 uh, I was doing a meeting with the committee on, on okay. So they asked me a question and I, they asked me something about something. I said, well, but if that is the issue, we go. They said, what about the money? We said, we leave the money where it is. If that's the instruction, we go. They turned around and looked at me and said, Pastor, I said, we, we don't say these things to people because people don't understand. I said, but listen. I said, listen, when God told Bishop Rodriguez, he said, go and build the ark in this particular place. They had their massive school there. They broke the school down. People said, ah, I can't do that. that but the school, though, school with floors, they broke, first broke it down. He said, this is the spot where it ought to be built. If it's carriers, it is what? Carriers. So, the wife is pregnant. Why should they be doing this kind of thing at this particular point in time? How can they be doing That's why when they say it was a carious moment, one said, I've just gotten married. I'm not coming. Another one said, I just bought a land. I'm not, it's never convenient to. Are you following what I'm saying? And if you don't know the prophetic word, God will move concerning authority to push you, all right, right into position. And if you react and say, well, this is not convenient, I resign, 
Even Joseph, we'll see this, could have, he was about to resign from Jesus, you know. He was thinking of how to resign from being the father of Jesus. He didn't know. So that's the first thing there, God in his sovereignty. Alright, we say it again in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Let's just look at it here. We say it in the account also of um, 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 Matthew. Uh, you know, there are four faces. There are four Gospels because Jesus has four faces. And you see that in Revelation. You see the face of the eagle. You see the face of the king. You see the face of a man. You see the face of an ox. So each of the four Gospels painted the picture of Jesus. And what Matthew did was that he painted the picture of Jesus as the king of the Jews. It was written, all right, in that Jewish way, the king of the Jews. When you look at that's why if you check when he started the lineage of Jesus, you could see that he just started Abraham. He was looking at Jesus as that. All right, that's why when the the wise men went, they said the King of the Jews has been born. It was the King of Jews. When you look at John's account, it was the divinity of Jesus. In other words, he didn't start with any natural birth. There's no discussion about all of that. It's the divinity of him. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And he talked divinity. When you come to the account of Luke, he spoke about the humanity of Jesus. They not refer to Jesus as the son of God, but you'll see him referring to him as the son of man. So he was talking about, so you will see that the shepherds is the humanity of Jesus. He was born in a manger. That was talking about the humanity. Mark, all right, focused on the service of Jesus as the ox, which means he just started with the ministry of Jesus Christ, how Jesus served. And you have to have those four faces in order to have a complete picture of Jesus. In other words, that's how it is. If we painted this building, let's say this building was just a square here. We painted this place blue. We painted this place red. We painted this place yellow. And we painted that other place green. Now, if you are coming from this side and we say that the wall is yellow, you are going to miss the house because the wall from this side is what? Green. All right? If you are coming from this side and we painted out that side green and we say the wall is blue, you will miss it. So, what has to happen is that from whichever angle you are coming from, so they said these are, so to have a complete picture, this is why when you are reading the gospel, never take one person's account alone. You will misunderstand the story. Read other people's what? Accounts. So, if you look at the account of multiplying of loaves, you will see that it was only in one account that Jesus actually said, what do you have? They said, he said, go into the crowd and find out. You will not know that Jesus actually sent them in to go and find out what they had. You will just think that the boy by himself came up and suggested it to Jesus. I have five loaves. So you'll be wondering, how did he know Jesus was going to multiply the loaves? And you may feel get under condemnation. You will know that Jesus actually. Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay. Oh, people can come out and say, you know, like someone told me when I was on campus, I want to do something, something, something. I was president of fellowship and she came and all these people that say they are deeper than everybody else. And she came on to have a ministry and all of that. So I said, all right, all right. And so I asked some questions. And I said to me, I said, if, if you really were, like, you know, you're a man of God, you won't be asking this question. You will know by the spirit. So I said, okay, why did Jesus say when he was going to raise, raise Lazarus, where have you laid him? Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay? You have to look at various sides. <laughs> Are you understanding this? Jesus said, roll the stone away. He didn't say, we'll raise him with the stone. <laughs> I hope you understand what we're saying here. Because some of you are so spiritual that you believe when God's power moves, he will move and carry the stone too. He said, roll. <laughs> so you don't do what you're supposed to do for the power of God to flow. Are you following what I'm saying here? 
And then he said, God can do anything. He can do it. What are you saying? Are you challenging God? God can do anything. What does a stone mean to God? What does a stone mean to God? Okay. Matthew 2, verse 11. So read all the accounts. You'll understand how things work. All right. Quickly, Matthew 2, 11 here. And when they were come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, fell down, worshipped him, opened their treasures, all right, and gave. So you won't see this account of giving gifts in Luke's account. Because here they were dealing with the king. Uh, you, you get what I'm saying? All right. So they brought gold, silver, all right, sorry, not silver, gold, frankincense, and meth. Then verse 12, the Bible says, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. Verse 13, it says, And when they had departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring the word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. All right, verse 14, And he arose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. Verse 15, And it was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have done what called my son. Which means the next scripture that had to be fulfilled was out of Egypt, so he must be born in Bethlehem, he must go into Egypt. So it was Herod's own push that I'm going to kill that made Jesus get repositioned. I'm trying to tell you there's nothing anybody can do against the truth. Anybody that attacks you is only repositioning you for what God has called you to do. You must understand the sovereignty of God. You must, you have to understand, all right, God's sovereignty there. Even when he went to he says that it might be fulfilled. All right, I won't go down because the book can't take it. But he says it can, might be fulfilled. That there will be a cry out of that place. So even Herod's decision to say, let's go and destroy, children under two, there was a scripture that was being fulfilled. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. Anything that happens in your life, a scripture is being fulfilled. Alright? And it's important to go to God in prayer. And here's the difference. You know, when they talk about, I was studying this about psychosis. Psychosis, when we have a person has a psychotic disorder. When they literally, they'll say, when someone is mad. What it means is, they are interpreting things that they are seeing in a totally different way. So when they look at something, that's what psychosis is, which means their interpretation they give to it is totally different from what a normal mind will give. So they behave, so they think they are normal. If you tell someone who is mad, you're mad, you say you are the one that is mad because he feels he's normal in those decisions he's making. All right? Because to him now, this is reality. That's how he's interpreting it. Now, for the Christian, we are not interpreting with common sense. We should be interpreting from a prophetic standpoint. In other words, when you look at something and they say there's a casting down, there's a prophecy that is being fulfilled. So what you see is there's a lifting up. Now, are you following here? So there's always a prophetic interpretation, right, to anything that you are going through as a person. So that's the first lesson. Second lesson, let's go back again to Luke chapter 2, verse 3. All right. So be mindful of this here. Luke chapter 2, verse 3. NIV, please. All right. And everyone went to his town to register. Verse 4. So Joseph went to the town of Nazareth, all right, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Verse 5. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. All right? Second thing you should learn is this. Okay? 
Mary was very courageous. And I want to say this here. In the decision that she made to take in Jesus. Because we just read this and just look at it and say, uh, uh, she must have been happy, blessed her down. <laughs> it's not like that too. To have taken in Jesus, and there's a deep lesson here. She could have rejected. And what how would she reject? If she says, I, I refuse to believe, that's the end. Just, you go and look for somebody else. Alright? Because blessed is she that believes. There shall be a what? Performance. There won't have been a performance if she refused. Now, for you to be pregnant outside wedlock, you could be stoned to death. You could be stoned to death. She took that thing. I want to show you something here. Number two, she made herself of no... Which means, my reputation will be destroyed. If I go ahead, which was what Joseph was being careful of. And Joseph, and I won't say this here, Joseph looked at it and said, ah, if I just announce this thing out here, they can, and because of the way the society was, they wouldn't even ask for the man. You understand what I'm saying? It's the woman they will face. Uh, and stone her, because when a woman was caught in adultery, they did ask for the man. It takes two people to do adultery now, but it's the woman they carry. I was stoning her today. Alright? So he knew that they were going to deal, alright, with her. So he was thinking about how to do it. Now, I will say two things here. She was bold, but she understood that my reputation, and she was ready to lose her reputation there. And if God is going to give you, or if you are going to enter into the things of God, your reputation mustn't be something that you are going to cling onto. And I'll explain what I'm saying. Reputation there, the definition of reputation there is the beliefs or opinions that are generally held about somebody. If you are particular about how men perceive you to be, and you are particular about the opinions of people, which means that, no, ah, look, I want people to have, you know, I want people to like me, I want all of that. If you are like that, you are never going to obey God. I want to say here. All right? She took upon herself that child. If you are, if you are like, don't about it. Ah, I don't want them to be, and they always say, everybody knows that, and, I'm, and you are dictated, all right, to the opinions. That's why when they asked Jesus, when Jesus I said, who do men say that I am? Mean? It wasn't because I was men's opinions. Because, let me say this here, when God shows up in your life, he settles everything. Are you follow what I'm saying? You might be thinking this about, about Mary and all that, but when the child starts working miracles everywhere, after some time, you will be knowing her as this is the mother of... Uh, uh, your, God will help you with your reputation when he manifests himself. Alright? Jesus himself, the Bible tells us in Philippians 2 verse 6, he made himself of no reputation. He wouldn't have done what he did. Look at what he said. To obey God, you have to, you have to let go of your reputation, which means you have to let go. Philippians 2 6, please put it up. Alright? You have to let go. He says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, it says, but made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And the Bible says, being found in the likeness, next verse please, likeness, being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Which means he will never have obeyed God, alright, to that cross if his reputation was something he was trying to protect. Because Jesus had developed a reputation in ministry. He had spoken to the wind, 
People were saying, what manner of man is this? What type of man? He had walked on water. All his disciples felt protected just being with Jesus. Now, this is the man that in Matthew they said, if you are the king of the Jews, she you say you have power. Huh? Come down from this cross. Didn't we tell you that this man is a fake man? His reputation was going there. They stripped him naked. Now, look at him. This is somebody. So, if you are concerned about the way and manner in which people or I look at me, you will not obey God. That's why I tell people, Christianity is not brand new. Are you following what I'm saying here? It's not like, uh, how do they, uh, let us uh, uh, build a narrative around, it's not that. When God shows up, he settles the matter. It's not, uh, uh, let's, let's make sure we engineer the society to have a perception, all right, about who we really are. And then you start social engineering. That's not Christianity, Christianity is walking in obedience to God. He will set to lead. When resurrection power comes out, everybody will see who is who. The Bible says in the day of visitation. So if you are holding on to your reputation and saying, I don't want, I can't do that. I can't do that. My reputation, my days, my that. You will, God won't even talk to you because he knows that you won't even. The Bible says a true Jew, a true one, the circumcision in Romans chapter 2, I think verse 29, is inward, all right? And that is inward and not outward. And that the praise of this person here is not of men, but is of God. Which means the only thing they are interested in in their life is whether or not it is the will of God. So long as they know God is here, they are going, they are going ahead. But if you are concerned about it, or my reputation on this. Now the second thing is this. And I want to say this to men, particularly people who are mine. Listen. The reason why Mary was never exposed was that Joseph stood with her. Joseph's presence covered it. And that's what he was saying. And he did expose her. Listen, in marriage, listen though, a husband and a man must never gossip about his wife. The wife may even out of, I'm not saying they should do it too, it's not that it's right, but let us even say that women, but as a man, you should never tell a third party and expose the weakness of your wife to a third party. As a man, no. All right? Except in the case that maybe let's even tell you that she's beating you up and down and you're running. Maybe that one, <laughs> that you went to the police or even that one running away from the house and go. All right, but you say, why do you guys just wait? But you should never, because all right, every woman needs a hair covering, and so you shouldn't. I mean, like a so long time I've talked about the film Godfather. You know, they asked, he was talking to his son. He said, "Men should never be careless." It's true, men should never be careless. In other words, you don't go you don't go to the office and say, "Say, and let me tell you what my wife." I don't know this woman. I don't know even the meat you cook. I mean, what's that? You're a man now, oh boy. Ah. ah. How are we going to up here talking about your wife inside publicly? All right? So he protected her. I hope, and I, the reason why I'm saying this is this. I hope you know that Satan hates women more than men. He's in the scripture now. When the woman, what did, what did God say? He said, the seed of the woman the war that Satan had, he targeted the woman. Because he knows that if I destroy the woman, I will destroy everything coming into this world. 
Because if a woman is bitter and cursing and all of that, and she's carrying a child, it then turns into the child. So, a man must know that. In other words, let me tell you this. When you arrive at heaven, God's first judgment, you can fail in business, you can, that's not his problem. Where is your wife, if you are married? What state did you meet her? What state is she? Because what is Jesus doing? That he might present bride. And until that happens, without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Now, can you imagine, you now are the one who put the wrinkle, blemish, and spot. All right, let's move on. I've made my point. Let's move on here. So let's go on Luke chapter 2 here, verse 6 here. So I'll look at another lesson. All right, there are a few more lessons. Luke 2, 6. So they were there. The time came for the baby to be born. Now, next verse. Verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, this, and people say this here, that, you know, Joseph was very poor, and, you know, he didn't have any, could not even afford a room, so he went to, that's not what happened. What happened was that there was no room for them in the inn, so they had to go to the manger, all right, to where the animals were. There's no room, means that you saw that it was census. Everybody had gone back to the hometown. All the hotel rooms were booked. That's the meaning of it. Are you following me, yeah? So there was no room for them in the inn, so they went. Now, what I want you to understand is this, all right, if, (laughs) what we are saying is, many people are trying to force themselves into the room, into the inn, that has status symbol. Do you get what I'm saying here? And there is no room for you in that inn. You are trying to force yourself on a group of people where there is no room for you there. Because you believe that if I'm with these people, I will look like. You are trying to force yourself to marry somebody that there's no room for you. The person that is willing to marry you today is at the manger. Are you following one? You didn't know where I'm going to. Huh? But you are trying to enter the inn that has status what? Symbol. So you are struggling to enter in. And there's no room for you in the inn. All right? You are going after a lady, spending all your money where there is no room for you in the inn. After you finish spending all your money, you, as you are driving back, you just finish spending half of your salary. You just see somebody send a message. It comes out. You look with the corner of your eye. It says, well, I just went with a friend to go and... and <laughs> <laughs> because there's no room for you where in the are you following me alright deliver yourself from wanting to belong to a group of be- do you get what I'm saying yes. you know Dr. Novel Hayes can I think he said this about a man Novel Hayes I mean he was a very powerful faith minister and he used to was very wealthy and he was single and he will he, will, he built 26 churches. When I say built, he wasn't a pastor. He can go and preach somewhere and say, look, you guys made a building from his own money. He will build. He built. The last count I knew in 1988, he had built 26 churches. That's how wealthy he was. So there was a lady that was in a camp meeting that came back then. and came to Ken Hagen and said, you know, God has spoken to me that I'm going to be the wife of Novel Hayes. God told, uh, so Hagen to her, I said, I know Novel Hayes, I know you. You 
and not marrying Nova Hayes. He said, no, God he said, no. She kept pressing. So one day he now called and says, isn't there any other person around you? Because when you are trying to force yourself in the inn, there's always the manger. There's always the loyal guy. <laughs> there's always the faithful guy who has a bright future. But he's just in the manger. But Jesus is in the manger. I hope you understand what I'm saying here. And if you go there, he's wrapped in swathing. You will feel warmth in that place. I'm reading Bible. I will show you now. I'm reading Bible to you now. The Bible have written. Right? But you say no. It's in. Alright? Yes, she said that well, there's somebody. He said, look, maybe it's that person. By the next year she came, they were he saw her in the company, happily married, holding hands. She had four. Do you get what I'm saying? Because when she got there, she was wrapped in what? Swaddling clothes. So please, when there's no room for you in an inn, go to where you are celebrated. Because that's where your gifting. The Bible says it is better to eat herbs with peace. That they stuck with what? Strife. Where you are trying to force yourself. But there's money there. It's better to be at peace. Alright? Where, where they, they insult you again. What? What? what no, why, 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 why you? I mean, can't you think? Or you say, we'll die here. <laughs> you know, when we started this church, there was a lady that came to meet me. There were very few then. And there was this young man dating her. She came. She said, I'm breaking up this with you. I said, why? I said, I can't take it. I'm used to guys like this. I asked him, so what is your dream in life? He took me for lunch. He said, my dream is to make you happy. So long as you're happy, I'm happy. He said, what kind of, what can I be? I beg, please. All right? And she had just reported people of being abusive in relationships. So, you know, there might be that addiction to that kind of thing. Okay? All right. Okay, let's go on. I think there's one more. So we'll close with that. So there's no room for them in the inn. It was wrapped in swaddling clothes and born in a manger. Also, let me just say this about being born in a manger. Yeah. Um, it shows also empathy because uh, when there was no room there, the I'm sure the owner of the inn must have just looked and said, look, or somebody must have said, even if it's not him, somebody must have just said, look, your wife is heavy. She may, he may want to deliver. Look, there's space somewhere, and 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 she went into where uh, to give birth to Jesus right there, you know. And sometimes people get so legalistic, so legalistic about the things of God that they've lost empathy. That you can't look at the person and look at the condition in the life of that person. And say to that person, look. I mean, I tell people inside the office, I always tell them, staff, I say, look. All right? For you to understand the application of any policy inside this ministry, understand the reason why that policy came into existence so that you have the flexibility to make decisions and give waivers for people when you know that these people are not intentionally wanting to violate the policy, but that's just the way they met themselves. Okay? You know, that's just the way they met themselves. 
So somebody just shows up and says, look, look, my, my, for example, my, we were dating, we know you already, yeah, you're in the church, and suddenly they just come and say, look, we have um, been given three months to relocate and want to get married, or I've made that decision so that we go married. And they have just six weeks to eat. And the policy says you must have done one, two, three, four, five, six. I said, listen, that we, we, we don't, these people have to travel, all right? There are ways in which we can, we can go around it. So you can have the foundation of faith. You can do an online program. You can do a crash course because of the particular condition or idea. These are not people that came to lie to you and want to. Do, the policy was put in place, all right, for this reason to help people, but it's not to, all right. Be, so, so that's how. And must have looked at it and said, the person looked here and just said that. Listen, all right, okay. There is somewhere here. So you must have empathy in anything you are doing. I uh, say, we're in charge here. You know that kind of thing. We're in charge here. God sends people your way. We're in charge here. Please, please, please. Leave, 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 leave my office. Leave. Open the door. You start behaving like that. All right? With no empathy, with no compassion, right, for people there. All right, so finally here. The next verse here. I'll close with this. And he said to them, the next verse. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the next verse says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. And then the next thing says, But the angel said unto them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And that's what the gospel means. The gospel, and that's the celebration of Jesus. That means in any situation you are in life, know this. Because Christ has come, died on the cross, got raised from death, conquered every situation, went through every temptation, defeated every form. If you hear what God is saying to you about that particular situation, is good news. Do you get what I'm saying? That's the essence, it's good news. Someone said, well, I bid it for it. We put everything inside. We lost it. If you go and listen to God, it will be good news to you. All right? It will be good news to you. The gospel is good news. In other words, that will bring great joy into your heart and glad tidings within your soul of great joy. That's the gospel there. That's in the gospel, there is always hope. In the gospel, there is always a future. In the gospel, it is never over. You never come to the end of the road. There is no consideration, all right, to commit suicide if you listen to what, because there is always the very thing that the person says, this thing has destroyed me, is the very thing that God is going to use to elevate that person, all right. There's always glad tidings of great joy. And then finally, it says, Finally, it says, go on the next verse, please. Today in the time of David, a Savior has been born to you, his Christ the Lord. Next verse. It says, and this will be a sign. All right. And that's what I was saying. It says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby. Leave the scriptures, please. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. It said, this will be 
a sign unto you. That don't miss the sign. You raise a baby that is wrapped there in clothes and lying in a manger. And you must always know this. Whatever it is, any big thing always starts out small and a humble thing. All right? And, you know, one time, I, the landlord of this place, I saw myself, I was going to so and say, was a minister. He just called me back. He called me and said, what? He said, I know. I know what you have respect for. I said, but never forget this. All those people who are once like you, that is how you started. Don't forget that. So don't think that, you know, uh, you know, you, you know, you can go somewhere and you look at it and feel that uh, every great thing was born great. No great thing was born great. Every great thing was born in a place of humility. All right? So really and truly, and people like to say those things because it's a very good excuse for your failure. Okay? To say that the reason is that I'm in a disadvantageous position is the very, let me tell you this, is the reason, people are just floating that because they want to, right, appear, so they don't want, they want to have real excuses that they can make and say, so why did you fail because of this and because of that and because of this and because of that. Everything, if they take you back to where everything that God has done on this earth started, Everything that God has done on this earth, if they take you back to where they started. I mean, Pastor Adipo's wife said, when they went to the camp, that people said going to camp, said they were living literally with animals. That there were times they had no money, they would have to go and take leaves in the place. What is edible here to cook? All right? If we will take you to where they started, the first time I ever saw ministers of God. All right. In my life, as a, I was in the Bible, and I went for this called the Holy Ghost Convention. Bishop Wadika was doing it. The place we were for the minister's conference, I'm saying minister's conference, minister's conference, we are not more than 100. That place, all right, if you take this second pillar, hit it here, here, here. Minister's conference, the place wasn't plastered. They just put brick on it, it wasn't plastered. No, I'm not talking about painting, it wasn't plastered. Brick and everything. Who were the ministers? Pastor Adiboy sat. Bishop Adiboy sat next to him. Dr. Tudejora sat. Pastor Matthew Shimolo sat. Bishop Waluke. They were teaching us in a minister's conference. That is where everything you see today, that's where it started. Are you following what I'm saying? And many of the things that kill young people now is that they want to start big. And the only thing you start on top is a grave. Every other thing you start from the bottom up. The only thing you start from the top and you go down is a grief. It was unthinkable. You couldn't even enter people's mind that there will ever be a church where it to be air conditioned back then. Now, if there's no air condition, people will let you know. Alright? How do we even say it now? Um, um, you know, we bring all these things for management. Client experience. So, so, so how was the experience of your service? What was the experience like? It's no longer the word. It's how the experience. We don't know what we're playing with. 
And we don't know what we're playing with. You went to those services, which experience? What, what kind of experience? I said we climbed up. It was all like hill to get to where this conference was. We were climbing like this, red soil. Eh? Ready to get to the place, sat down. You were glad that you heard. You were there with your notes. I said the building, there were no windows. But I said, the boy, all these people were there. A hundred of us at the end, everybody was talking. How are you on the left? That's how, that is how the thing started. All right? Always begins, all right, from, from a very humble place. That's where it always starts. So don't get discouraged because it is a sign. Do you get what I'm saying? The people that entered Herod's palace caused serious trouble. Some of you, I'm saying it again, you will carry your idea into Herod's palace. You don't come out with the idea again. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm having a meeting with so and so, so and so, so and so, so and so. I've called me for him. Is that what they sent to do? Okay, called me for a meeting. I just shared my idea with them. Next thing you see, your idea somewhere. I don't understand why people can be doing it. They don't encourage people again in this country. They go, a businessman stole my idea. Because you went there. Are you following me? He said, This shall be a sign unto you. It shall find a baby wrapped. That's where Jesus was born. Everything that God does is born in that particular way. Are you following what I'm saying here? If you go into Herod's palace, the trouble that you will cause for yourself, for people, can last for generations. That They entered Herod's palace, they caused trouble for even families that were going their own. They, they didn't know anything about it. Just brought unnecessary trouble. All right. That, that unnecessary trouble into homes and into families because of that um, mindset there. It's the same thing. Same thing we say um, James was talking about. He said, have no respect. That's why he says, condescend to men of low estate. All right? Some of the biggest breakthroughs you ever get in life is people of low estate. People don't, they do estate that. People don't know how many drivers have turned to their buses and said, sir, please, that man, I just want to tell you, when you went into that place, this is what he was saying. No, don't have anything to do with him. That's the end. No matter your presentation, you are on your own. Alright? You are on your own. You, people don't know how much power people in low estates wield when it comes to decision making. People don't know it. People think it is people or no, people don't know how it happens. Somebody, I would quote this thing. Somebody came to me and told me, and said, how did this person get this particular thing? I said to him, this person was in church, I said, uh, he went to do something and they asked him to come and work for free. And he was doing it for free. So he met somebody there who said, you are an expert at this thing you are doing. And this is the person you need to meet. When I told him, he looked at me in the office. He said, do you know I was offered the thing first to do for free? When I got there, I told him, I don't do things free again. So I don't do things free. He said, you mean that's how he got it? I said, yes. He said, I will have been the one there. Are you following me? So, listen, everything always starts where? And 
And any and anybody, let me tell you this, anybody that knows human nature, anybody that knows human nature, if the person is very wealthy, you know, I was talking to somebody um, some about some weeks ago, and so I asked the person, how did you meet this person? Because the person was my relative. I said, how did you meet this person? He said, Susan so introduced me. He said, you know, I didn't know who the father was. I didn't know. When they were introduced, he said, he's the son. He said, who is that? I don't know the person now. And so she told me, said, that's why the guy married. Because for the first time, he was meeting somebody that didn't know anything about it. So he knew this is for you. So if you want to test somebody, well, I'm saying it so you can't use it on anybody you want to test now. But if you want to test, so you can tell your people if you have relatives that have money. If you want to test and say you have money and none of that, just say to the young lady, or if the young lady, you have money, you want to test the man to know what's in the heart. Don't go to any expensive restaurant to enter one booker where you'll be crossing the road. Say, we'll take a canoe. I can't do that. I can't do that. Say, thank you very much. Are you following what I'm saying? Say, you know what? Thank you very much. What are we going to eat? Is a mala. We'll put it like this. Pour this up. I can't, I can't. Look at my fingers. I can't do that. You have just been delivered. You understand what I'm saying to you? Some of you, you have, maybe one day I'll do a class on. Huh? You'll say it's there. You've been delivered. Are you following me? I said, I can't do that. You can't. can't. Um, I just like some lobsters. <laughs> is this what? In your own house, is this how you eat it? <laughs> All right? Because every real thing must be born in where? This is the sign. Do you understand? See? This is the what? Sorry. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word and by the power of your spirit, as that you establish us in this truth, cause this reason to take you to the